Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. We're back in the studio after a two-week summer break, just in time for a busy fall. Among other things, we're expecting developments on the enrollment appeal front, with decision letters expected to start arriving in the mail this month and continuing throughout the fall. For those without the right to appeal, there will be activity this month in the litigation launched by the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. Assembly lawyer Jamie Lickers tells us about the cross-examinations that begin this week in Ottawa and continue next week in Newfoundland. We'll also hear from Dave Wells, chief of the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. He's had a tough month since the group's annual meeting, catching flack for some changes in the group. And he's having to raise money in a crowded litigation front with two other Halibut-related cases before the federal court and another one possible. First, Jamie Lickers. I asked her how the cross-examinations work and how they fit into the overall litigation. The cross-examination of witnesses is is one of the key steps in a judicial review proceeding. Unlike an action where you have a full trial and you examine witnesses on the stand during the trial, a judicial review application is done exclusively by way of affidavit evidence. So individuals who have knowledge of the matters in dispute or had had some involvement in, in our case in the enrollment process, for example, those individuals produce affidavits, which are sworn statements. And the cross-examinations that will take place is an opportunity for the lawyers for each party to question the individuals who've sworn the affidavits about the matters that they've raised in their affidavits and matters that might be necessarily related to issues that the individuals are swearing evidence about. So pretty important step in in the litigation process and those examinations will will commence starting next Friday in Ottawa where the representatives for the federal government will be cross-examined and the federal government has produced two uh, individuals who've sworn affidavits, one who was involved on behalf of the government leading up to the negotiation of the original agreement and the supplemental agreement, and then a second individual who was uh, providing administrative support to the enrollment committee throughout the enrollment process. So those individuals will both be examined in in Ottawa this coming week, and the following week, the Newfoundland-based witnesses will be cross-examined, and that includes Mr. Brendan Shepard, as well as the individuals who are named in the application, so Mr. Dave Wells and Ms. Sandra Wells. Right. So you'll be cross-examining um, the the government and FNI witnesses, and the other sides, the FNI and the government, will be cross-examining your witnesses. That's correct. And are they? Uh, are those sessions uh, private sessions in a meeting room or are they public like court? Uh, how, how, how do they work? 
No, they are private sessions with, with court reporters. The individuals, much like their affidavits are sworn and contain sworn evidence, the individuals are sworn under oath, uh, and then a court reporter transcribes all of the discussion and the questions and the answers. Where it becomes public is to the extent that information is provided by any of the individuals that is relevant to the case, those transcripts and that oral evidence can be relied on at the hearing of the judicial review application. Those individuals won't need to appear again at the actual hearing because they've already given their their evidence both in their written affidavits and then um, additional information on their oral examinations and those records and transcripts will be relied on by all parties when when the hearings commence for the judicial review applications. And are you expecting any surprises uh, in the cross-examination or do you, can you anticipate what the witnesses uh, will say in the cross-examination is uh, somewhat to confirm what, what you believe uh, the evidence will be? I'm not really expecting any surprises. It's uh, it's not at all like what people would see on television on you know legal dramas that focus on this aggressive American style of, of litigation. The affidavits that individuals have sworn is an outline of the evidence that that individual is expected to give. Now, to the extent that there are issues in their affidavits which maybe raise some questions or require some clarification, that's the purpose of the oral examination. And there are, in most cases, it's, it's that additional information is required to provide context to the statements that have been made in the affidavits. So I, I don't expect any surprises, per se, next week and the following week. But, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear what the position of, of both Canada and the Federation of Newfoundland Indians will be, and that is that they view the process as having been one that was was fair and was required to protect the credibility of the membership in the band. Yes. So uh, you say once this uh, this cross exam this the evidence given in cross examination will be transcribed and the court will rely on the written evidence in the application rather than live witnesses who will appear in person. Okay. So uh, what? Uh, so can you anticipate the timelines now um, following the cross-examinations uh, beginning uh, Friday and the week after? Yeah, so following the cross-examinations, the, the transcripts will be produced, and those transcripts are required by the, the lawyers for all of the parties as we prepare our written submissions to the court. So another key piece of the litigation process specific to the judicial review process is that each party's legal counsel makes a submission to the court in writing and that is an outline of the arguments that that party will make at the hearing of the matter. And that's standard process for any type of action, whether it's an action in superior court or the court of appeal or in this case, the federal court. So that's a, a key piece of, of the litigation process. We'll be making our written submissions to the court in October. The responding parties, so Canada and the Federation of Newfoundland Indians, have a certain amount of time to respond to our written submissions and provide their responding submissions to the court. 
Following that, uh, the parties will submit uh, an application record to the court, which will include all of the documents that the court will need to review in order to understand the issues before it when we come for a hearing. And then it's just a question of requisitioning, requisitioning a hearing date from the federal court, which of course depends entirely on the court's availability and its schedule. Right. And do you have a, a sense of when uh, when that might be? I guess we're looking at spring of 2018 at this point. I think that's a reasonable expectation. I, I expect that we'll be requesting a hearing date around the time that we're preparing the application record for the court, which I expect will be later this fall. And again, it, it's not wouldn't be unusual for uh, for the parties to wait, you know, three to six months for an actual hearing date. Right, and of course, after the hearing date, we'll have to wait for the decision. That might be a few months uh, after the the hearing date. So uh, we will be looking at um, what do you think, June, July of for a decision. I would hope so. The, the court tries to get decisions out. Judicial review applications are meant to be a streamlined legal process, and they're, they're meant specifically to resolve uh, questions that affect individuals' rights and interests. So the court understands that, and they do try to make decisions fairly quickly on judicial review applications. That's part of the reason as well that the evidence is provided by way of, of affidavits and cross-examinations. The court doesn't have to leave the hearing having heard all of this oral testimony that it has to sort through and digest in order to decide the issues. They have the transcripts, they have the written submissions of the parties, so they can issue decisions fairly quickly, and they tend to also issue decisions in advance of, you know, uh, the summer recess and, and the break that the court has during the summer months. So I, I would hope that we would see a decision before next summer. Yes. So, um of course, we have these other two matters before federal court, the Jerry Break uh, class action and the Douglas dissent matter. Have you had an indication from the court, from the court whether it is coordinating the three matters in any way? Do you know if those two other ones will be before the court before you? Uh, what, what can you say on, on that? There, there is some coordination by the court. For example, the all three actions are currently case managed, is, is my understanding at least, and they're case managed by by the same judge. And part of the reason for that is is recognizing that the issues raise similar issues um, because our applications were were brought as judicial review applications. I think that we're moving a bit more quickly than the other two actions. Again. Judicial review is meant to be a streamlined process to, to get people decisions quickly on matters that are affecting their interests on, you know, an important interest. So I, I don't know what, what stage in the process those actions are at, but I would suspect that their hearings and their timelines would be significantly behind our timelines and our judicial review applications. Jamie Lickers. Now to her client, the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland and its chief, Dave Wells. Chief, some explained on Facebook. What's up with that? Are we funding a court case with our $20 membership fee? Or are we financing the startup of another non-status band? I asked Dave Wells about the year ahead and his response to the hits he's taken in social media. Let me say congratulations on being uh, acclaimed to the leadership position in the assembly once again. Oh, thanks uh, very much, Glenn. And uh, what uh, what are the challenges and uh, objectives for the year ahead for the assembly? Well, the 
challenges and, of course, the objective are, are very closely linked. Uh, we foresee that uh, we'll pretty well be ready with our court case uh, to proceed to the federal court right around middle of December in that uh, time frame. And then, of course, we have to wait for uh, a date to for the judge to hear our case, and uh, so we're optimistic that we should have an answer somewhere around the 30th of April. Hmm. Now, the uh, the litigation landscape has become uh, somewhat crowded over the past uh, year, as well as your litigation. We have the Jerry Bright class action. Yes. We have Douglas Doucette out there, and uh, we have the Friends of the Halliburton raising money for an opinion. Uh, how has all that affected the Assembly? Uh, there is uh, residual effects to that. Uh, for instance, uh, we're going this alone. Uh, we would prefer just to to proceed with our case. And the reason being is is that if we look at the class action lawsuit and uh, also the one launched by Doucette, uh, I believe both of them are seeking uh, monies from the federal government saying they were wrong. Uh, there's a whole pile of hurdles these people have to get over. First of all, Harper uh, brought in Bill C-25, which said the federal government no, could not be sued for any problems associated with the Holopu enrollment. So, you know what I mean? They're, they're going off over on another route. However, ours is much more simple and straightforward. We believe that the supplemental agreement was wrong. And that's what all we're asking for is the courts uh, to strike that document down and then put us all back at the table again to have to be everybody treated the same, whether you put your application in before September the 22nd, 2011 or after. And there could also be a, a chance there if the judge strikes it down, then everybody goes back in and there's no point system. There's no nothing. You know, it doesn't matter if you were a member of the FNI or not, or you live in Toronto or Calgary or Vancouver. It doesn't matter. We're all treated the same, the same as every other Indian band in Canada. So your your concern then is that the the pursuit of damages is somewhat of a of a distraction. A and B, they could lose on that point, and somehow that uh, that strengthens the federal government because they have a a win on their side in that scenario. Sure. So, you know, I mean, we're optimistic that our case is going to proceed first uh, because ours is the easiest to deal with. You know, you don't get into the real problems of uh, trying to strike down uh, bills that were enacted by Parliament. So, you know, there's a big pile of hurdles there for these guys to overcome. As you know, we have people out there saying, uh, why should I spend my 20 bucks to renew my membership or become a member of the uh, Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland where I can just sign on to this Jerry Break uh, class action for free, mm -hmm. uh, or I can wait for to see what happens with Douglas Doucette, or I can wait and see what the Friends of the Halibu do. Uh, why should I get on board with the, uh, with the Assembly? And, and what, what do you tell people who ask that question? Well, we've already gone to court once, and uh, we won uh, by taking on the FNI and the federal government with the uh, not people not signing the application in the proper space or uh, 
or not having a long-form birth certificate. So, so we do have some credibility with the Department of Justice and also with the, uh, with the courts. That's one thing. The second thing is that uh, if you're willing to sit back and wait, it's like a person buying an insurance policy. Uh, and if we go to Hurricane Irma right now down in the U.S., I'm sure there's people that wish they had insurance policies to cover hurricane damage. So if you want to sit back and not pay the $20, go ahead. But the judge may say this is only for the uh, members of the MFNAN. Hmm. You know, that's a risk. Are you willing to take for $20? You know, you could be depriving your your family and then they're the next generation of uh, folks within your family of medical dental coverage uh, and then education uh, funding. So there's a lot, really a lot to consider for $20, you know. Now, at the uh, at the uh, AGM uh, last month, uh, you changed the names of the positions. Your position uh, came, uh, was changed from chair to chief, and uh, the vice chair became uh, the uh, the vice chief, uh, etc. And yep. um, let me ask you first, what was the what was the thinking behind the the name change of the positions? Well, first of all, uh, using titles like chair and vice chair and uh, directors is more in line with that of a corporation or company. Uh, So we figured that it was about time to go back to our roots and uh, bring us in line with other uh, Aboriginal associations and bands within the country. Uh, The name change, uh, you know, it doesn't change anything up front, but it does bring us, uh, we start looking like an Indian association or Indian band. The, what what people were saying on Facebook is uh, uh, we were putting in our 20 bucks thinking that these guys were going to use the money to put on a legal challenge, but now it seems they're using the 20 bucks to, to create some kind of non-status band or some, some purpose that uh, we didn't have in mind when um, when we pointed up our 20 bucks. So what, what do you say to them? Uh, the name change really changes nothing. We are, our number one priority is to have the supplemental agreement thrown out, go back to the drawing board with the federal government and the FNI, and have everybody treated the same. Our, so again, our number one priority is to be enrolled as members of Holopu. Now, if the judge says no, then there's a whole pile of decisions we have to look at afterwards. Do we turn out the lights and lock the door and go away? Do we continue on and try and be uh, a non-status band? So all we're doing is getting our ducks in a row so that if we have to go down that road, but we are definitely optimistic that we're going to win the court challenge, Number one. And number two, we're also optimistic that we're going to be members of Holopu. We do not want to be another Indian band in in Newfoundland or elsewhere. So that's that's not our priority. Right. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be in touch as the legal matters unfold. Thank you, Glenn. And we're once again right in the middle of a... uh, a membership drive, you know, this lawsuit is costing a fortune. 
And, uh, you know, when you hire what you believe is the best in the country with Aboriginal law, you know, you have to pay a price. And you, get, you get what you pay for. And, and uh, there's your – this is, uh, of course, it's near the, the beginning of September, so you're calling on your people to renew their memberships. Yes, and uh, you know uh, we've got bills coming in every every month from the lawyers, and uh, we're just wrapping up here. And uh, you know we need everybody's support. This is so crucial right now. You know, yeah. so that when they send in their money, you know whether it's twenty dollars or five dollars, throw in an extra dollar if you can do it. It'll go a long way to uh, seeing this court case through. Yes, and uh, you after after the meeting, uh, your AGM, you distributed the financials, and I see on the uh, on the documents that you've uh, distributed to uh, to everyone out there that the uh, the legal fees uh, are all are all listed, yes. uh, along with the accounting fees. So um, uh, those uh, those documents are available, and people can see how much the the legal fees are. Um, I think it. Uh, looking at the sheet here, I think it's over a hundred grand you've uh, put into the to the case so far. Yes, and uh, you know we're we're still not in court yet, so there's going to be other added on expenses. Uh, so yeah, you know taking on this type of adventure is very very expensive. So, but you know we need everybody's help. And people can renew by uh, by going to the uh, website for the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. Yes. Uh, by PayPal or other means. Yes, PayPal and uh, use your credit card, whatever. And the other way is, uh, you know, they can forward a check to the office on West Street. Or thirdly, they can uh, call the office and arrange for uh, for payment that way or drop in. Dave Wells. That's it for the show. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. Subscribe on iTunes and listen on Bay of Islands Radio, boir.ca, 6 p.m. on Thursday. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.